Section 22 of Jataka Tales by H. T. Francis and E. J. Thomas. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Judgments of King Mirrorface. Once upon a time, brethren, when Janasanda was reigning in Benares, the Bodhisatta came to life as the son of his chief queen. His face was resplendent, wearing a look of auspicious beauty, like a golden mirror well polished. On the day of his naming, they called him Adasa Muka. Prince Mirrorface. Within the space of seven years, his father caused him to be taught the three Vedas and all the duties of this world, and then he died when the lad was seven years old. The courtiers performed the king's obsequies with great pomp and made the offerings for the dead, and on the seventh day they gathered together in the palace court and talked together. The prince was very young, they thought, and he could not be made king. Before they made him king, they would test him so they prepared a court of justice and set a divan then they came into the prince's presence and said they you must come my lord to the law court to this the prince agreed and with a great company he repaired thither and sat upon the dais now at the time when the king sat down for judgment the courtiers had dressed up a monkey in the garb of a man who is skilled in the lore which tells what are good sites for a building they made him go upon two feet and brought him into the judgment hall my lord said they in the time of the king your father this man was one who divined by magic as to desirable sights and well did he know his art down in the earth as deep as seven cubits he can see a fault by his help there was a place chosen for the king's house let the king provide for him and give him a post the prince scanned him from head to foot this is no man but a monkey he thought and monkeys can destroy what others have made but of themselves can neither make anything nor carry out such a thing and so he repeated the first stanza to his court it is not a clever builder but an ape with a wrinkled face he can destroy what others make that is the way of his race it must be so my lord said the courtiers and took him away but after a day or two they dressed this same creature in grand clothes and brought him again to the judgment hall in the king your father's time my lord this was a judge who dealt justice him should you take to help you in the awarding of justice the prince looked at him thought he a man with mind and reason is not so hairy as all that this witless ape cannot dispense justice and he repeated the second stanza there is no wit in this hairy creature he breathes no confidence he knows not as my father taught the animal has no sense so it must be my lord said the courtiers and led him away yet once again did they dress up the very same monkey and bring him to the hall of judgment sire said they in the time of the king your father this man did his duty to father and mother and paid respect to old age in his family him you should keep with you again the prince looked at him and thought monkeys are fickle of mind such a thing they cannot do and then he repeated the third stanza one thing Dazaratha has taught me no help such a creature would send to father or mother to sister or brother or any who call him friend so must it be my lord answered they 
and took him away again. And they said amongst themselves, "'Tis a wise prince. He will be able to rule.' And they made the Bodhisatta king, and throughout the city by beat of drum they made proclamation, saying, "'The Edicts of King Mirface.' From that time the Bodhisatta reigned righteously, and his wisdom was noised abroad throughout all India. To show forth the matter of this wisdom of his, these fourteen problems were brought to him to decide. An ox, a lad, a horse, a basket knight, a squire, a lido love, and a young dame, a snake, a deer, a partridge, and a sprite, a snake, ascetics, a young priest I name. This happened as we shall now explain. When the Bodhisattva was inaugurated king, a certain servant of King Janasanda named Gamani Kanda thus considered within himself, This kingdom is glorious if it be governed by aid of those who are of an age with the king. Now I am old, and I cannot wait upon a young prince, so I will get me a living by farming in the country. So he departed from the city a distance of three leagues, and abode in a certain village. But he had no oxen for farming, and so, after rain had fallen, he begged the loan of two oxen from a friend. All day long he ploughed with them, and then he gave them grass to eat, and went to the owner's house to give them back again. At the moment it happened that the owner sat at meat with his wife, and the oxen entered the house, quite at home. As they entered, the master was raising his plate, and the wife putting hers down. Seeing that they did not invite him to share the meal, Gamanikanda departed without formally making over the oxen. During the night, thieves broke into the cowpen and stole the oxen away. Early on the morrow, the owner of these oxen entered the cowshed, but cattle there were none. He perceived that they had been stolen away by thieves. I'll make Gamini pay for it, thought he, and to Gamini he went. I say, return me my oxen, cried he. Are they not in their stall? Now did you return them to me? No, I didn't. Here's the king's officer. Come along. Now this people have a custom that they pick up a bit of stone or a potsherd and say, Here's the king's officer. Come along. If any man refuses to go, he is punished. So when Gamini heard the word officer, he went along. So they went together towards the king's court. On the way they came to a village where dwelt a friend of Gamini's. Said he to the other, I say, I am very hungry. Wait here till I go in and get me something to eat. And he entered his friend's house. But his friend was not at home. The wife said, Sir, there is nothing cooked. Wait but a moment. I will cook at once and set before you. She climbed a ladder to the grain store, and in her haste she fell to the ground and as she was seven months gone with child, a miscarriage followed. At that moment in came the husband, and saw what had happened. "'You have struck my wife!' cried he, and brought her labor upon her untimely. "'Here's a king's officer for you. Come along!' And he carried him off. After this they went on, the two of them, with Gamini between. As they went, there was a horse at a village gate, and the groom could not stop it, but it ran along with them. The horsekeeper called out to Gamini, Uncle Kandagamini, hit the horse with something and head him back. 
Gomini picked up a stone and threw it at the horse. The stone struck his foot and broke it like the stalk of a castor oil plant. Then the man cried, "'Oh, you have broken my horse's leg. Here's a king's officer for you.' And he laid hold of him. Gomini was thus three men's prisoner. As they led him along, he thought, "'These people will denounce me to the king.' I can't pay for the oxen, much less the fine for causing an untimely birth. And then where shall I get the price of the horse? I were better dead. So as they went along, he saw a wood hard by the road, and in it a hill with a precipice on one side of it. In the shadow of it were two basket-makers, father and son, weaving a mat. Said Gomini, I say, I want to retire for a moment. "'Wait here while I go aside.' And with these words he climbed the hill and threw himself down the precipice. He fell upon the back of the elder basket-maker and killed him on the spot. Gomini got up and stood still. "'Ah, you villain! You've murdered my father!' cried the younger basket-maker. "'Here's the king's officer!' He seized Gomini's hands and came out of the thicket. "'What's this?' asked the others. The villain has murdered my father. So on they went, the four of them, with Gomini in the middle. They came to the gate of another village. A headman was there who hailed Gomini. Uncle Conda, whither away? To see the king, says Gomini. Oh, indeed, to see the king. I want to send him a message. Will you take it? Yes, that I will. Well, I am usually handsome, rich, honored, and healthy, but now I am miserable and have the jaundice, too. Ask the king why this is. He is a wise man, so they say. He will tell you, and you can bring me his message again. To this the other agreed. At another village, a light of love called out to him. Whither abound, Uncle Kanda? To see the king, says he. They say the king is a wise man. Take him a message from me, says the woman. Aforetime I used to make great gains. Now I don't get the worth of a beetle-nut, and nobody courts me. Ask the king why this may be, and then you can tell me. At a third village there was a young woman who told Gomini, I can live neither with my husband nor without my own family. Ask the king how this is, and then tell me. A little further on there was a snake living in an anthill near the road. He saw Gomini and called out, "'Whither away, Kanda? "'To see the king. "'The king is wise. "'Take him a message from me. "'When I go out to get my food, "'I leave this anthill faint and famishing, "'and yet I fill the entrance hole with my body, "'and I get out with difficulty, "'dragging myself along.' But when I come in again, I feel satisfied and fat. Yet I pass quickly through the hole without touching the sides. How is this? Ask the king and bring me his answer. And further on, a deer saw him and said, I can eat grass anywhere but underneath this tree. Ask the king the reason. And again a partridge said, when I sit at the foot of this ant-heap and utter my note, I can make it prettily, but nowhere else. Ask the king why. And again a tree-spirit saw him and said, Whither away, Kanda? To the king. 
The king is a wise man, they say. In former times I was highly honored. Now I don't receive as much as a handful of twigs. Ask the king what the reason is. And further on again he was seen by a Naga king, who spoke to him thus. The king is said to be a wise man. Then ask him this question. Heretofore the water in this pool has been clear as crystal. Why is it that now it has become turbid with scum all over it? Further on, not far from a town, certain ascetics who dwelt in a park saw him and said in the same way, They say the king is wise. Of yore there were in this park sweet fruits in plenty. Now they have grown tasteless and dry. Ask him what the reason is. Further on again, he was accosted by some Brahmin students who were in a hall at the gate of a town. They said to him, "'Where are you going, Kanda?' "'To the king,' says Kanda. "'Then take a message for us. Till now, whatever passage we learnt was bright and clear. Now it does not stay with us. It is not understood, but all is darkness. It is like water in a leaky jar. Ask the king what the reason is.' Gamani Kanda came before the king with his fourteen questions. When the king saw him, he recognized him. "'This is my father's servant who used to handle me in his arms. Where has he been living all this time?' And, "'Kanda,' said he, "'where have you been living all this time? We've seen nothing of you for a long while. What brings you here?' When my lord the late king went to heaven, I departed into the country and kept myself by farming. Then this man summoned me for a suit regarding his cattle, and here he has brought me. If you had not been brought here, you had never come, but I'm glad that you were brought anyhow. Now I can see you. Where is that man? Here, my lord. Is it you that summoned our friend Kanda? Yes, my lord. Why? He refuses to give back my pair of oxen. Is this so, Kanda? Hear my story too, my lord said Kanda, and told him the whole. When he had heard the tale, the king accosted the owner of the oxen. "'Did you see the oxen?' said he, entering the stall. "'No, my lord,' the man replied. "'Why, man, did you never hear my name? They call me King Mirrorface. Speak out honestly.' "'I saw them, my lord,' said he. "'Now, Kanda, said the king, "'you failed to return the oxen, and therefore you are his debtor for them.' But this man, in saying that he had not seen them, told a direct lie. Therefore you with your own hands shall pluck his eyes out, and you shall yourself pay him twenty-four pieces of money as the price of the oxen. Then they led the owner of the oxen out of doors. "'If I lose my eyes, what do I care for the money?' thought he. And he fell at Gamini's feet, and besought him, "'Oh, Master Conda, keep those twenty-four pieces, and take these, too!' and he gave him other pieces and ran away. The second man said, "'My lord, this fellow struck my wife and made her miscarry.' "'Is this true, Kanda?' asked the king. Kanda begged for a hearing and told the whole story. "'Did you really strike her and cause her to miscarry?' asked the king. "'No, my lord, I did no such thing.' "'Now can you,' to the other, "'can you heal the miscarriage which he has caused?' "'No, my lord, I cannot. "'Now what do you want to do? "'I ought to have my son, my lord. "'Now then, Kanda, you take the man's wife to your house, "'and when a son shall be born to you, "'hand him over to the husband.' 
Then this man also fell at Conda's feet, crying, Don't break up my home, master, threw down some money, and made off. The third man then accused Conda of laming his horse's foot. Conda, as before, told what had happened. Then the king asked the owner, Did you really bid Conda strike the horse and turn him back? No, my lord, I did not. But on being pressed, he admitted that he had said so. This man, said the king, has told a direct lie in saying that he did not tell you to head back the horse. You may tear out his tongue, and then pay him a thousand pieces for the horse's price, which I will give you. But the fellow even gave him another sum of money and departed. Then the basket-maker's son said, This fellow's a murderer, and he killed my father. Is it so, Kanda? asked the king. Hear me, my lord, said Kanda, and he told him about it. Now what do you want? asked the king. My lord, I must have my father. Kanda, said the king, this man must have a father, but you cannot bring him back from the dead. Then take his mother to your house, and do you be a father to him. Oh, master, cried the man, don't break up my dead father's home. He gave Gamini a sum of money and hurried away. Thus Gamini won his suit, and in great delight he said to the king, My lord, I have several questions for you from several persons. May I tell you them? Say on, said the king. So Gamini told them all in reverse order, beginning with the young Brahmins. The king answered them in turn. To the first question he answered, In the place where they lived there used to be a crowing cock that knew the time. When they heard his crow, they used to rise up and repeat their texts until the sun rose, and thus they did not forget what they learned. But now there is a cock that crows out of season. He crows at dead of night or in broad day. When he crows in the depth of night, up they rise, but they are too sleepy to repeat the text. When he crows in broad day, they rise up, but they have not the chance to repeat their texts. Thus it is that whatever they learn, they soon forget. To the second question he answered, Formerly these men used to do all the duties of the ascetic, and they induced the mystic trance. Now they have neglected the ascetic's duties, and they do what they ought not to do. The fruits which grow in the park they give to their attendants. They live in a sinful way, exchanging their alms. This is why this fruit does not grow sweet. If they once more with one consent do their duty as ascetics, again the fruit will grow sweet for them. Those hermits know not the wisdom of kings. Tell them to live the ascetic life. He heard the third question and answered, Those Naga chiefs quarrel one with another, and that is why the water becomes turbid. If they make friends as before, the water will be clear again. After hearing the fourth, The tree spirit, said he, used formerly to protect men passing through the wood, and therefore it received many offerings. Now it gives them no protection, and so it receives no offerings. If it protects them as before, it will receive choice offerings again. It knows not that there are kings in the world. Tell it then to guard the men who go up into that wood. And on hearing the fifth, under the anthill where the partridge finds himself able to utter a pleasant cry, is a crock of treasure. Dig it up and get it. To the sixth he answered, On the tree under which the deer found he could eat grass is a great honeycomb. He craves the grass on which this honey has dropped, 
and so he can eat no other. You get the honeycomb, send the best of it to me, and eat the rest yourself. Then, on hearing the seventh, Under the snake's anthill lies a large treasure crock, and there he lives guarding it. So when he goes out from greed for this treasure, his body sticks fast. But after he has fed, his desire for the treasure prevents his body from sticking, and he goes in quickly and easily. Dig up the treasure and keep it. Then he replied to the eighth question. Between the villages where dwell the young woman's husband and her parents lives a lover of hers in a certain house. She remembers him, and her desire is toward him. Therefore she cannot stay in her husband's house, but says she will go and see her parents, and on the way she stays a few days with her lover. When she has been at home a few days, again she remembers him, and saying she will return to her husband, she goes again to her lover. Go, tell her there are kings in the land. Say she must dwell with her husband, and if she will not, let her have a care. The king will cause her to be seized, and she will die. He heard the ninth, and to this he said, The woman used formerly to take a price from the hand of one, and not to go with another until she was off with him, and that is how she used to receive much. Now she has changed her manner, and without leave of the first she goes with the last, so that she receives nothing, and none seek after her. If she keeps to her old custom, it will be as it was before. Tell her that she should keep to that. On hearing the tenth, he replied, That village headman used once to deal justice indifferently, so that men were pleased and delighted with him, and in their delight they gave him many a present. This is what made him handsome, rich, and honored. Now he loves to take bribes, and his judgment is not fair. So he is poor and miserable and jaundiced. If he judges once again with righteousness, he will be again as he was before. He knows not that there are kings in the land. Tell him that he must use justice in giving judgment. And Gamani Kanda told all these messages as they were told him, and the king, having resolved all these questions by his wisdom, like Buddha omniscient, gave rich presents to Gamani Kanda, and the village where Kanda dwelt he gave to him as a Brahmin's gift, and let him go. Kanda went out of the city and told the king's answer to the Brahmin youths and the ascetics, to the Naga and to the tree spirit. He took the treasure from the place where the partridge sat and from the tree beneath which the deer did eat. He took the honeycomb and sent honey to the king. He broke into the snake's anthill and gathered the treasure out of it. And to the young woman, and to the light o' love, and the village headman, he said even as the king had told him. Then he returned to his own village and dwelt there so long as he lived, and afterward passed away to fare according to his deserts. And King Mirface also gave alms and wrought goodness, and finally, after his death, attained to heaven. End of section 22